Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Today, we have the pleasure of talking with Christy Anya Buile on the topic of learning from those within the body of Christ who are different from us. Our world is diverse. We come from different cultures. We've been shaped by different experiences. We have different preferences and opinions and passions and life circumstances. Yet, believers with all of our differences are united by the gospel. In this conversation, Christy helps us see the beauty and diversity within the body of Christ. Come on and join us. All right, well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Daily Grace. I am Joanna, and Stephanie is here with me as usual. Hello, everyone. So today, we are inviting a special guest on our show. Her name is Christy Anyabwile, and Christy is a wife, a mama to three, a Bible teacher at Anacostia River Church, which is in the D.C. area, and the assistant director of women's workshops at the Charles Simeon Trust, and that's an organization that trains Bible expositors. So Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, we are so grateful to have you on and really appreciate your willingness to help us work through the topic of learning from those within the body of Christ who are different from us. Um, Joanna and I were blessed with a copy of His Testimonies, My Heritage, which is the book that you edited. And for our listeners, this book is beautiful, you guys. It includes the voices of over two dozen women of color and They just work through Psalm 119, and so it is a beautiful piece of work, and we will link it in our show notes and highly encourage you to check it out. But Christy, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, your family, and maybe what an average day looks like? Oh, boy, yes. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for telling your listeners about his testimonies. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, my name is Christy. And we're all going to say it together. Anya Buile. <laughs> and my husband, Thabiti, is the pastor mm-hmm. of Anacostia River Church in Washington, D.C. We've been here for about five and a half years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Prior to that, we lived in the Cayman Islands for about eight years, where my mm-hmm. husband was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Grand Cayman, Cayman Islands. Cool. And uh, prior to that, you know, we moved around. Uh, a bit more, but I'm a North Carolina girl, so I'm a country girl through and through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Southerner and proud of it. Mm. And yeah, so right now we're here in Washington, D.C. We love our community here and just have a passion for being good neighbors mm. and introducing our neighbors to Christ. Mm. Uh, so my family, aside from my husband and I, we've been married 28 years now. Wow, wow. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we have three children. Our oldest, Afia, 
is 21, and she we had the privilege of um, hearing her testimony and seeing her be baptized last night. So that was wow. a lot of fun and such a joy to see our children walking in the mm-hmm. truth and mm-hmm. um, owning their faith and those kinds of things. So that's yeah. it's, it's exciting. Uh, we also have our middle daughter, Eden, who is almost 20, and she it has another year. Afia is graduating in a couple weeks, and then Eden has about another year of school. And then mm-hmm. we have Titus at home, and he's He'll be a teenager in about a week. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, it's a lot of fun watching our children grow in mm-hmm. maturity and in grace and knowledge of Christ. I just love being a wife and being a mom. I love to cook. I love mm. hospitality. I love to read. I love to write. So mm. those kinds of things are my interest. Yeah. It kind of occupies my day, centers mm-hmm. around those kinds of things. Well, we're so grateful that you're coming on to talk with us um, on this topic. It's so true. There are so many differences that we can have as believers. Mm -hmm. Um, They can just range with all kinds of different things. So could you kind of start us off by telling us what are some of those differences that we might have with one another as believers? Yeah. So not just believers, but just as humans, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we are are going to have differences. It's a guarantee. And differences aren't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, They Mm -hmm. actually can be very good things. Uh, But for believers, I think we can have doctrinal differences, you know, so whether or not you are credo or pedo Baptist, Mm -hmm. differences for the gifts of the spirit, Um, Mm -hmm. aside from doctrinal differences like that, we might have um, within the body of Christ, we have political differences within the body Mm -hmm. of Christ. We have personality differences. Yeah. Uh, you have people who are diehard Enneagram fans and those who are diehard Myers-Briggs, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> and, and how our personality differences are, are highlighted and emphasized. And, and then just cultural differences, where mm-hmm. we come from, uh, experiences and things that have shaped us mm-hmm. as individuals. Uh, and the list can go on. We have differences right. about a favorite sports team. And yeah. <laughs> Those can be some of the most intense differences. You sometimes. know what? That's true. <laughs> and I'm from North Carolina, and we have very intense uh, kind of disagreements uh, and right. loyalties with our sports teams. Mm, so, Duke versus UNC, yes, that kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. Anybody yeah. but Carolina in my house, yes. <laughs> we love oh. our Carolina fans. In the body of Christ, but we go, we go toe-to-toe on the court. So. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and that's totally fine. But yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it runs a gamut, right? Whether it's doctrinal, mm-hmm. political, you mm-hmm. know, personality-wise, cultural, all the things that you would normally think of, you know, are a part of our experience, mm-hmm. and, right. you know, as believers in the body of Christ. And God has designed it so. Yeah. So in that sense, it's uh, a beautiful thing to... Yeah have difference, but also to experience unity mm-hmm. within the body in the midst of whatever differences we might have. Right. We still serve together. We love one another. We pray for one another. We build one another up. We mm-hmm. exercise watchfulness over each other. We partner together in the training and instruction of our children. Yeah. You know, we serve in missions together. We do outreach together. So there mm-hmm. are many, many areas in which difference doesn't divide us, but it actually unites us mm. in the body of Christ. Yeah. I think that is what makes 
the church beautiful, right? It's the unity that comes from the gospel of Christ. It unifies us on all the different fronts. I mean, there are countless ways we are different, but um, coming together because of the gospel is really um, magnifies the Lord, right? And so, Christy, you mentioned that differences are good. Could you explain that? Why are our differences a good thing? Yeah, well, let me be a little bit more specific, I guess, in terms of highlighting why difference is good. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking about just scripturally, our differences showcase the glory of God, the creativity of mm. God, the intricacies of the handiwork of God. So we, I think about verses like Psalm 19, one and two, where it says the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky proclaims his handiwork. Um, mm. That is illustrating for us just beauty mm. and difference and creativity and intricacy. And it's all for God's glory. And that our differences demonstrate the global nature and the inclusivity of the gospel in terms of we're to go and make disciples of all nations, mm -hmm. uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so differences are good because they demonstrate to us um, how the gospel goes out to everyone, mm -hmm. all people. Yeah. And then it, it celebrates diversity as well. Right. And so the popular passage that people point to is Galatians three, where it says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male, or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So our uh, being united with Christ is primary and the differences mm -hmm. that we do have celebrate diversity found among God's people. But it also points us to the unity. Uh, that we should have mm -hmm. as believers. Um, and then I think one, maybe one other thing is that differences actually demonstrate to us the impartiality of God. Mm -hmm. You know, so in mm -hmm. Acts 10, it says that um, Peter says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, mm -hmm. but in yeah. every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So mm -hmm. those who are accepted by God um, are those who believe in his son and they are from every nation. And then finally, difference is good because it's a glimpse of heaven. It mm -hmm. just gives us a little window into what we read in Revelation 7 when it says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb and crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on mm -hmm. the throne and to the lamb. So difference is not necessarily bad. It can mm -hmm. be a very, very good thing. And it highlights for us just beautiful truths about who we are as people and who God is and yeah. what our destiny is with him. Mm, yeah. I love that. That's such a beautiful picture. We look to revelation and the kingdom that's coming and what we have to look forward to. There's so much to rejoice in there and so much mm -hmm. to look forward to there. And what grace that God gives us tastes of that here. Yeah. And I think that you're so right that in order to, to have a taste of that, we need to see our differences. You know, I've been so blessed with the truth that even in our differences, we need our differences. We need each other in order to to function properly as God's people in the yeah. way that he intended. But it's not to negate the fact that 
even though there's beauty and difference, it's not to negate the fact that there are challenges that we face because of difference. One, sometimes we're just not thinking about the things that are most important. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes challenges can be highlighted just because we have um, sort of a skewed perspective of what to hold dear and Mm -hmm. as primary and Mm -hmm. what kinds of things we should maybe overlook or maybe we should pay special attention to. So I do think that in the midst of being a human in a fallen world, Mm -hmm. that we can have differences that challenge us and Um, oftentimes the challenges are things like working through misunderstanding, Mm -hmm. not really being empathetic, um, lacking love or patience, having a short-sighted view of things rather than kind of looking at the long view. And, um, I think there's even the challenge of how we view one another as believers in the body of Christ. And I think, especially on social media, you see a lot now where how we can often see one another as really enemies instead of brothers and sisters. And we mm-hmm. relate to one another, mm-hmm. not as brothers and sisters, but as as foreigners. And we're one body um, in Christ. And sometimes we forget the reconciling power of the gospel. And we're so focused on that thing that's yeah. different that we forget that we should be working towards the unity of the spirit uh, in the mm-hmm. bond of peace. So yeah, there's I think there's a lot of challenges that we can't, that we do need to work through. Um, as we experience differences with one another in the body of Christ, whatever those differences might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. There are a lot of challenges that can arise. And I think you're right that unfortunately, those things can cause division mm-hmm. among us when really, like you said, they ought to cause unity. And so how is it that we can find common ground with other believers who are very different from us and find unity there instead of division? Yeah, I think I, one thing I, I've been thinking about what it looks like to build common ground with people that we experience difference with. Mm-hmm. And I heard or read uh, this author talk about the difference between common ground and commonality. And mm-hmm. I thought it was really helpful when you kind of look at the dictionary definition of common ground. Mm-hmm. Common ground is basically the basis upon which we build and reach some sort of mutual understanding, right? And so for the Christian, the gospel is that basis. It's our mm-hmm. starting point and it's also our resting point. So when Mm -hmm. we're talking about this idea of common ground, we want to start and we want to rest on the gospel, what he has done for us, how we are called to live now in light of uh, what Christ has done for Mm -hmm. us. And, you know, just the whole body of belief uh, that is around the gospel um, and how we're called then as an outworking of the gospel to make and teach disciples and the importance of the local church, those kinds of things. And so we're to celebrate the common ground that we share in Christ that's Mm -hmm. built upon the gospel. And I think for that to happen, we really need to focus on the underlying principles of the gospel imperatives that we agree on Mm -hmm. and not necessarily Mm -hmm. how they work out practically. Mm -hmm. So I was just at an event a few nights ago, and the event was about how we think about politics as believers in Christ? And how do we establish common ground Mm -hmm. with those who have a different kind of political understanding than we do? And it was actually cool in that event 
to see people who had very different political understandings continually work in that conversation around like, okay, well, we disagree in terms of this practical outworking, but principially we're on the same page in Mm -hmm. terms of, you know, um, Christians and how we live civically Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the world. And so I think that's, that's kind of a place to start. Like, what Mm -hmm. is it? You know, what is the basis? The basis is the gospel. That's what we the restart. That's what we build upon. And that's what we rest on at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And then within that, what are some principles that we also agree on, even if we may not agree on the practical outworkings of mm-hmm. those principles? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the other idea is this idea of commonality. So whereas common ground is sort of uh, the basis that we build agreement upon, commonality is a point that believers might have in common. So mm. we might have a shared passion for missions or for mm. outreach or for teaching children, those kinds of things, or for Bible study or for leadership. Um, so those are points that we might have in common. And in those things, we just build one another up. We yeah. spur one another on to love and good deeds. We um, you know, share ideas and we find ways to serve within those capacities. Um, so even though we may have differences that are even significant at times, mm-hmm. we can also have commonality. There are always points at which we're going to find some agreement mm-hmm. as believers, or we should right. <laughs> as mm-hmm. believers in the body of Christ. And I think if we can't find some point of commonality, then I think there's a more critical problem to be mm-hmm. worked out in terms of our understanding of the gospel and what it means to be um, believers who work out their salvation with fear and trembling and who mm-hmm. practice good deeds mm-hmm. as an outworking of their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I think about when I think about this idea of common ground. Mm-hmm. So let's say we can't find common ground. Let's say we, we, we have the gospel as our basis. We have some points of commonality, but we still feel that tension of, oh, you know, like <laughs> you just are way over here and I'm, I'm just way over there, you know, on this particular point. I mean, I feel adamant that, you know, Earl Grey is the best tea, (laughs) black tea, coffee drinkers, you know, and I don't know, English breakfast just isn't or PG tips, you know, like we may have (laughs) distinct differences. And in, in those cases where we just feel that tension, I think we need to lean into grace, extend Mm -hmm. grace to people whom we have significant difference Mm -hmm. with. And we don't have to change the other person Mm -hmm. to, in order to love one another well, yeah. we can say, hey, mm-hmm. we really disagree on this point. I think it's important. I think it's significant. But I'm not trying to change you. I just am seeking to have an, a, a conversation where we can have mutual understanding, mm-hmm. even if we don't have mutual agreement. Mm-hmm. And then I think in the midst of that tension, um, over all of it is to find, you know, just to rest in love and mm-hmm. in rest in I'm going to listen to this person. I'm going to listen empathetically. Mm-hmm. Just have a posture of listening mm-hmm. and learning from one another and then loving one another well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. a command. We don't have an option of whether or not right. we're going to love one another through difference. That's an act of faith and obedience to the Lord that in mm-hmm. the midst of difference, I choose to love Mm -hmm. my brother and sister. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I would love to dive into that a little bit more. And specifically when it does turn to not just unresolved tension, but turns to conflict. 
You know, what do we do and how do we as believers handle these situations when our differences do cause this conflict between each other? Yeah, I think the umbrella is love. So I think about Colossians 3, Mm -hmm. that whole passage uh, verses 12 to 17, where it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, Mm -hmm. meekness, and patience bearing with one another. Mm -hmm. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to talk about letting the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and being thankful and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly Mm -hmm. teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and whatever you do in word and in deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Like for me, that's my anchor passage Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. how to work through conflict. Mm -hmm. And I start with love because it says Mm -hmm. over all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect Mm -hmm. harmony. So when I'm feeling that tension of difference, especially in conflict, I'm saying to myself, Christy, your job is to love your sister. Mm. That's mm. at the end of the day, whatever else happened in the, in the midst of that conflict, my goal is to love. And so sometimes we think about love and we say, okay, well, the way I'm going to love my sister is I'm going to speak the truth in love. <laughs> and that's what we say. What we can do in the midst of that is we can speak truth, but it not really be in a loving manner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we can say that we're loving someone, but not be willing to point out sin or to point out even a point of difference. And we're not truth tellers. Mm -hmm. And if we're not being truth tellers, we're not loving well. And so Mm -hmm. um, I think in the midst of conflict, we want to, um, above everything else, choose to love a brother or sister through the conflict. And then you want to practice all of those things in Colossians 3, Mm -hmm. be compassionate and kind, humble, decide from the jump that your motivation is going to be one of humility and love. And that's so powerful and so simple because I think so often when we enter into conflict, our motive is to be right or to win or it's out of anger. And even just that heart check of saying, am I acting out of love? We can do the same things or say we're doing the same things. But if our motives are coming from a place of hate or anger instead of a place of love, it's not going to work itself out in kindness and in compassion. And it's so often our tendency to enter into conflict with a posture of pride or a posture of anger, a Mm -hmm. desire to win the argument. And I think that if we have this heart check of saying, am I proceeding out of love or out of selfishness? then that's going to change the entire way that we approach our conversations and our conflict and the attitudes that we have, like you said, even in speaking the truth. And I think that'll help us to have wisdom in discerning when is it time to speak and when is it time to remain silent? Mm -hmm. When is it time to enter into this conversation and when is it time to overlook something? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the scriptures tell us that it's for uh, a person's glory to overlook an offense. Mm -hmm. So I think even in the midst of conflict, if it is something that we can overlook, um, then we should, we should do that. Um, it's not worth it to be in a conflict over, well, really over anything, but Mm -hmm. in particular, 
yeah. when it's something that, you know, it's pretty easy to overlook. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's when we want to love like Christ's love, then we're striving for reconciliation, right? Not being right or being heard even or any of those other kind of selfish things. We're wanting reconciliation with our brother and sister in Christ um, as a reflection of what God has done um, for us. Yeah, that was the thing I was going to say about uh, when you were talking about that, it reminded me of um, the idea of we, we're, we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to win our brother or sister in Christ. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the win isn't in being right and being found right. The win is um, you come out of a conflict um, loving one another well mm-hmm. and winning your brother and sister mm-hmm. um, in Christ, not just an argument. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, I really appreciate what you've just been saying of recognizing that, you know, we are all shaped by our cultures and our experiences. And the goal isn't to ignore that truth, um, that we are different, um, but to find those common grounds in the gospel and to find those commonality points um, to just kind of knit our hearts together in that kind of way. And so I really appreciate that, that we're not after like everyone looking the exact same because there's just so much to learn and grow from those that are different from us. So could we talk about that? How can we learn and grow from believers who are just so different from us? Yeah, that's a good question. I always kind of couch it under three categories Mm -hmm. of listening, learning, and loving. Listen, learn, Mm -hmm. love. So listen, long, (laughs) (laughs) and not not defensively, not with our biases in the forefront, Mm -hmm. not critically, because we can listen, but as we're listening already in our minds, we're formulating our counterpoint and the things that we disagree with. And we already are thinking about the yeah, buts and what ifs (laughs) and, you know, and already in our mind. So, so it's not the best way to listen. Um, So we kind of need to listen really with an open mind. We need to listen empathetically, Mm -hmm. um, trying to enter into that person's world and feel what they're feeling and experience what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. One of the things I love to do, I love Instagram because (laughs) I can see things that are happening in people's lives, things that they're doing, uh, where they're going, their travels, stuff that they're cooking. And I live vicariously by by (laughs) seeing what's happening in someone else's life, you know? So Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, I have friends who they go on mission trips, they post all these pictures and it gets me so excited and Mm -hmm. I'm so joyful for them. Um, because I've found I've entered into that world a little bit mm-hmm. by just taking in their pictures and things that they're posting up. And I think it's the same thing with how we listen, that we need to listen mm-hmm. from the standpoint of entering into that person's world in mm-hmm. empathetically, humbly, listen with an eye towards appreciating what the person is saying, even mm-hmm. if we don't necessarily agree Mm -hmm. and then listen relationally listen understanding that you're in relationship with this person and they might be sharing something intimate something that is vulnerable about themselves or about their lives Mm -hmm. or about their families or about their upbringing or about things that they struggle with and we want to listen with the relational kind of um, mindset that this is an end of a person with feelings and passion about mm-hmm. this particular topic or issue. And I want to enter into that world humbly and um, and then secondly, learn from it. So listen, mm-hmm. 
But as we listen, learn, spending time together, asking open-ended questions, learning on your own. You hear something or you hear something that kind of strikes you as odd or you're not sure if you agree with. Well, you don't have to say it in that moment. Yeah, well, I don't know what I think about that or I'm not sure about this. Just learn. Go home. Make a note of it. Mm -hmm. Go home. (laughs) Do your own research. And Mm -hmm. then when you come back with that person, now that you spent some time learning about the issue, now you can ask better questions open-ended mm-hmm. questions that get them to talk more so that you can listen more. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think sometimes we enter into conversations where, okay, we want to, we experience a difference. And I don't think we always have the mindset of I'm the one who needs to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. We kind of think that the other person is the one who needs to learn and grow. That's true. And I'm the yes. one who needs to teach them that. Well, no, yeah. that's not the posture as believers, as humble Christians who are living in relational community with one another. We're the primary ones who need to be learning and growing Mm -hmm. from the experience. And so as we learn from one another, then third, I think that should deepen our love for Mm -hmm. one another. And if even learning something difficult or hard or something we don't agree with, or maybe learning something that may cause a bit of conflict with a, a brother or sister, that should deepen our love for them so that we press even harder into what it looks like to be in loving community with the person who's different. Like, I need to listen. I need to learn. I need to love uh, my brother or sister deeply from Mm -hmm. the heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. my job as a believer. My job isn't always to change someone, Mm -hmm. um, but but that's how you learn and grow. You listen, you learn, you listen some more, you learn some more, um, and then you love deeply from the heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so convicting that that idea of how are we posturing ourselves? Are we posturing ourselves from a place of humility and a desire to learn? Or are we posturing ourselves as if we have everything to teach? Right. And I just imagine how different our conversations would be, our relationships would be if we all approach one another with that posture of humility mm-hmm. and a desire to enter in and to learn from someone and to love them well. Mm-hmm. I think that would just change so much about our relationships. Yeah. And just remembering that we're disciples yeah. and mm-hmm. disciples are those who learn. And yeah. so in every situation that I find myself in with another believer, I need to be taking something away from that conversation mm-hmm. that I'm going to pursue as an act of my own sanctification mm-hmm. and growth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I need to rain down all my years of wisdom and knowledge on this other person. Yeah. That's a very prideful posture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and, but it's a discipline. I think that we need to learn And We're in yeah. such a, a connected technology, heavy society mm-hmm. where information mm-hmm. is at our fingertips. And sometimes we think that it just because I found a taste of something online that I think I've learned. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, sometimes I too quickly want to give that out really yeah. before I've digested it enough to really understand yeah. it well enough to try and teach someone else, you know? That is yeah. so true. Yeah, I think technology can convince us, even our culture can kind of convince us that we're kind of experts at all these things and that mm-hmm. we don't need anyone. But that is just so not true. Um, And I love what you're saying is, you know what, we need to step back and have a teachable spirit because that's really the only way that we're going to truly learn the art of listening and learning from others. Because 
My goodness, Serge, I think of us being iron sharpening iron, right? Just having the mindset that we are going to be sharpened, even if it's in a relationship where it's like, okay, I'm the mentor and you're the mentee. You know, it changes everything when it's thinking, man, we're iron sharpening iron here. So we're in this together on this journey of sanctification. Oh, I love it. It changes everything yeah. seriously. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, even what you're saying about iron sharpening iron, I, I just think it's a discipline for me to say, okay, iron sharpening iron. I'm the one that needs the sharpening <laughs> I need to be sharpened. Not that right. I'm the one that's sharpening the yes. other. Mm-hmm. I'm the one under the blade. I need to be yeah. sharpened. Um, and yeah. in the midst of me being sharpened, that God will use it in order for me to love and care for and sharpen someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can do that in ways that are not intrusive and are not mm-hmm. prideful and boastful. But again, I just think it's a discipline that we have to develop in terms of how we view ourselves. Do we view mm-hmm. ourselves primarily as a learner, as a disciple, as one who's growing, or do mm-hmm. we view ourselves as the expert, the one who has all the answers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, there's so much to learn from one another. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, we all have this tendency to gravitate toward people who are just a whole lot like us, yeah. um, who don't challenge us, who agree with us on everything. I think partially it kind of, you know, it makes us feel good about ourselves, makes us feel validated. But could you kind of talk us through why it really matters that we seek out those relationships with people who are different from us and how we can do that? Because it doesn't come naturally. So how mm-hmm. do we pursue relationships with people who don't think, look, behave like us? Yeah, it takes intentionality, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes an awareness of sameness that's unhealthy. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've all heard of the echo chamber, right? Where you're in an environment where you're only around people who have beliefs and opinions that are just like mine. And and my views are, are the ones that are always being reinforced. Mm-hmm. And if someone else comes into the picture who doesn't share our views, then they're excluded intentionally, right? And so I think we have to be mindful and thoughtful about in what places and spaces do I find myself in where I'm never challenged, where mm-hmm. we're always on the same page? And, and sometimes people say that as a point of pride. Oh, gosh, we are so much alike. We're always on the same page. We mm-hmm. think alike. We do everything alike. Well, that could be fine in one sense. You know, your bestie, right? That could <laughs> be okay in some sense. But if we find that we're only around people who are exactly like us, I think we can be fairly certain that we might be orbiting in an echo chamber and we need to mm-hmm. find our way out by intentionally going out to places and people and situations that are different. So go to a lecture or a seminar uh, to learn about a difference and maybe something that you really feel strongly about um, and mm-hmm. go and, and learn about someone who has a different perspective or read a book mm-hmm. about you know someone who has a different perspective than you do. Um, look around in your church community and find someone My husband and I have done this often over the years, but we've oftentimes just kind of pray as we're praying through our church directory and praying through members of the church, like, Mm -hmm. who is it that we feel like we have the most difference with? Let's invite that person over for dinner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Who is it that we feel like we might have the least in common with? Mm -hmm. Let's invite that person out for coffee. Who is it that we think might 
uh, have a diversity of opinions. Mm-hmm. Well, let's invite two or three of them over for dinner. Not that we're going to talk about those things, but right. just to get them all in the same room so that we can see the things that we do have in common mm-hmm. or yeah. that we can see areas where we have difference, but that the difference doesn't make the difference, you know, right. um, that that what makes the difference is that we're united as a family and in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think it is really important to seek out relationships with people who are different because of what we said at the very beginning about all the ways that difference is good and the things that it teaches us about God and about ourselves, about one another, about our destiny uh, that mm-hmm. is to come mm-hmm. and, 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 and the unity in that. So we can appreciate the beauty of diversity and um, just so we can constantly you know, continue to be learners and, and people who grow. Yeah, I think we just have to be intentional about pursuing those relationships, actually finding people who are different and then reaching out to them. And the best mm-hmm. place to do that is in the body of Christ. That's family, mm-hmm. right? So even if mm-hmm. you don't know that well, it's an opportunity to get to know somebody and don't get mm-hmm. in an argument with somebody that this is a temptation. Though We say, okay, you know what, Christy, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find somebody in the church that I think I have difference with. I'm going to invite them out to coffee. And then the first thing you start doing is talking about politics. And then you get into a big argument about, mm-hmm. you know, political candidates or something. Don't do that. I mean, just get to know the person as an individual, mm-hmm. hear their testimony, find yeah. out what the Lord is doing in their lives, um, find out ways that you can pray for them. Mm-hmm. That, hey, I'm going to gravitate to someone who's different. I'm still going to treat them like I treat my family. And I'm going to you know, seek to understand them and pray for them and love them well and Mm -hmm. um, serve them in any ways that I can serve. So as I hear you talking, I can imagine maybe somebody feeling some hesitation and thinking, okay, yeah, but what about truth? You know, as we are looking, especially at differences in belief um, or these things that, um, that we feel very strongly about, I could hear someone maybe feeling hesitant because they think, well, are we just getting rid of the truth for the sake of loving each other and mm-hmm. um, being united despite our differences? And what would you say to that person who is worried about losing kind of the absolute truth of God's word? I think if we go back to what we were talking about earlier with the common ground, and we've already established the common ground as our, mm-hmm. the, the basis of that being the truth of the gospel, Yeah. then sometimes the things that we hold to as truth in regards to an issue mm-hmm. is more so a preference, so more yeah. so mm-hmm. a matter of conscience, a matter mm-hmm. in which we feel strongly about, and maybe we're even convicted and compelled by scripture that we should or should not do a certain thing, but we don't have to bind someone else's conscience to the dictates of our own. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think if it's truth, for sure, speak the truth, speak the truth and love. But if we're talking about believers in the body of Christ, we, the truth is already established. We are already united by the truth. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we're not arguing about a truth issue. Now Uh, we're arguing about matters of conscience, matters Mm -hmm. of difference matters, maybe are important doctrinally. And you believe strongly one way or the other about, you know, uh, candidates for baptism, but that's not necessarily something that we need to, um, you know, argue and fight and to come to Mm -hmm. some, you know, sameness about in Mm -hmm. terms of how Mm -hmm. we understand it. Right. Uh, That doesn't mean that you can't express your belief about that thing 
that issue strongly and get clarity. So Mm -hmm. I want to be clear about what I understand you to be believing. Mm -hmm. I want to have clarity about that. I want to represent your view well without then trying to force you to come to my understanding of things, Mm -hmm. if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. that makes total sense. So I think, yes, if it's a matter of truth, then we're talking about you know, a belief outside the gospel, then yes, we need to speak the truth to that issue. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about within the body of Christ, the truth is established. So Mm -hmm. everything else to me wouldn't necessarily be uh, straight up biblical gospel truth. It's more maybe preference or maybe conscience issues. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. We don't have to agree on those. Yeah. I love that. That's great. I think it's really helpful to identify those primary, secondary, and tertiary issues that can come up even within the body of Christ and just to agree that, man, the primary things are very clear in Scripture and we can, you know, come under the authority of truth there and agree there. But those secondary and tertiary issues, we can extend grace and also find the beauty of engaging one another um, in love as fellow believers and recognizing that it's an opportunity to grow in our um, sanctification, grow in godliness, and it helps us point out blind spots if there are any. And there's just so much beauty in, in having those differences and being okay if we don't agree on maybe the matters of preference or areas of conscience um, and having that love and respect cover those areas. So that was super helpful. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's good. I think there's a professor who talks about this cone of certainty. So if you think about a cone um, and the narrow end of the cone, those are things that um, unite all Christians of all time. Mm -hmm. So with those things, we want to have more conviction about them and we want to have more harmony within the body body of Christ. But as we move down that cone and it's those secondary tertiary issues, Mm -hmm. then those things we can have less conviction about and less Mm -hmm. harmony and still be you know, united together as as brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about, okay, what are those cardinal issues where Mm -hmm. we need to have absolute harmony and conviction about? And then what are those things that we're like, okay, I have strong convictions about it, but we don't have to be, Mm -hmm. you know, in harmony on those things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Christy, how does the unity and diversity of the church point to God and his design for his people? Mm, Yeah. One of the things the Lord has been teaching me over the past, I would say three years in the midst Mm -hmm. of a lot of conflict and difference and dissension in society, in the body of Christ, um, the Lord has really been teaching me more about love and Mm -hmm. what it looks like to love one another well. And I just... I always get convicted by John 13, 35, where it says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples Mm -hmm. if you have love for one another. So I think unity within the body of Christ demonstrates a level of love within the body of Christ that is winsome to those who are outside of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the more unity that we have within the body, uh, the more we're displaying the love of Christ to one another. And that's what the world is looking at. And that's how the world will know that we're Christ's disciples by our love for one another. And -hmm. if they see that we're Christ's disciples, then prayerfully, that would be winsome to them. And they would Mm -hmm. want what we have 
in the body. Yeah. I think the other passage that comes to mind mm-hmm. is from Acts 17, uh, verses 30 and 31, where it says, uh, now he commands all people everywhere to mm-hmm. repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So all people everywhere are called to repent. Mm-hmm. So that all people everywhere, <laughs> that's a diverse body. That's people right. from every tribe and language and background. That's right. men, that's women, that's boys, that's girls, that's old, that's young, that's mm-hmm. all people everywhere. And so God's design for his people has always been that it would be a diverse body. Again, that mm-hmm. passage in Revelation that talks about every tribe and language and, and people would be gathered around the throne, giving mm-hmm. glory to God. And so the unity and diversity that we see now in the body of Christ is just a tiny glimpse of what we'll be experiencing in glory. Mm-hmm. And so there's an old song from, you know, when I was a kid, my dad likes to listen to old gospel um, spirituals and mm-hmm. he likes the old I don't know if you ever heard of gospel quartets. Mm-hmm. Forgot which quartet it is, but one of them has a song that says, this is just a rehearsal. When we get to heaven, we're going to really sing. And so that's it. Like, <laughs> this is just a rehearsal. And anyone knows who has ever had to rehearse or practice anything, whether it was an instrument or whether it was practicing a sport, you don't come into practice, you know, in a lackadaisical manner, haphazardly. Mm-hmm you know, lazy, not put forth your best effort because the way you practice, that's how you're going to play. So if we know the end game, how we're going to be playing in heaven, the scripture shows us that, then we need to be practicing that how Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. we need to practice in the way that we're going to be playing in glory. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Christy. And, you know, before we wrap up, we always like to ask three fun questions to our guests on the show to get to know you a little bit better. So our first one is, what is a current favorite thing of yours? Oh, boy. A favorite thing of mine right now? Well, I'm on this keto diet. So, um. <laughs> And I said I love to cook things that I can cook that are keto friendly but delicious. It's interesting trying to find treats that are keto friendly and I love dessert. Uh, And so I found some keto friendly cakes and chocolate chip cookies. Mm. And there's there are these chocolates there. You know how you got the Reese's peanut butter cups? Mm -hmm. There's a a keto friendly one. Oh, shoot. It's called Unreal. That's what it's called. They're called Mm. Unreal. And they're peanut butter cups and they're almond butter cups. And they're surrounded in chocolate. So they taste like Reese's cups, mm. but they're super good. That's a favorite thing of mine. Ooh, that Ooh. does sound good. <laughs> that's one of like four favorite things, but that's, <laughs> that's the orbit that I'm in I love right that. now. You know, I'm glad you mentioned food and diet because when I told my husband that I'm interviewing you, he asked me to ask you about food because your husband talks a lot about the foods you're making. Yes. <laughs> and he thought that was hilarious. Oh, so. I, know. I thought you were going to say something about kale because my <laughs> husband and kale have a hate-hate relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny. Our next kind of fun question is, what is currently on your nightstand? Okay. Um, on my nightstand is a new kind of moisturizing cream that I got from a friend 
Mm. And the brand is Melanin Essentials. So I Mm -hmm. keep it on my nightstand. And, you know, after a day of all the things, I like to (laughs) keep my hands and feet moisturized. So I use my (laughs) Melanin Essentials. It's really nice. And then I'm also reading a book called An American Marriage. It's by Hmm. an author named Tayari Jones, T-A-Y-A-R-I. It's not a Christian book. It's just a for fun fiction book. The drama in the book is centered around uh, kind of injustice and, mm-hmm. you know, justice issues and things like that. Love it. I always love mm-hmm. hearing what everybody's reading. <laughs> well, and our last question is, what is one resource that has most stirred your affection for God's word? Well, there are many, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think one that I like to recommend is a book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, that book has really shaped my prayer life a lot and also kind of freed me, you know, for people who sort of struggle um, in, in the discipline of prayer and kind of mm-hmm. beat yourself up at points about that. It's an excellent book that I would highly recommend. And then another resource I'll share is just the work that I do with the Charles Simeon Trust. Yeah. Honestly, that has probably stirred my not only my affection for God's word, but my passion for teaching Mm -hmm. it to Mm -hmm. others and for developing good skills and understanding the word so that I can effectively teach it. And then just seeing the outworkings of that with people that I disciple now kind of using those same skills and tools to grow other women in their, Mm -hmm. um, in in their knowledge of the word and in their love for God. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would encourage folks to check out the Charles Simeon Trust. We basically do workshops that, train Bible teachers in biblical exposition and it's mm. centered around Bible genres. So um, we, just, we just studied um, Old Testament narrative and we taught oh. through some skills and principles for understanding how Old Testament mm. narrative works and mm-hmm. how to study it in preparation for teaching it. And we worked through the book of Exodus. Oh, so helpful. Yeah, it's yeah. super helpful. And the Lord has really used that ministry to uh, grow me and my love for God and in my love for teaching his word. Mm. A little bit of a shameless plug, but it's Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Please no, do. That's yeah. great. That's for wonderful. Those who don't have a um a workshop maybe in their area if you check out the website, we also have online courses that you can take. They're mm. just 20 bucks oh, and great. you can oh, I take didn't know that. courses and yeah, an Old Testament narrative or epistles or oh, systematic theology, those kinds of things. So Yeah, well We'll link all of that in our show notes. And for all of our listeners, you can follow Christy on Instagram at Christy Anyabwile. And that's K-R-I-S-T-I-E-A-N-Y-A-B-W-I-L-E. We'll put that in our show notes as well. (laughs) And be sure to check out um, the book that she edited, His Testimonies, My Heritage. Beautiful book with beautiful cover and beautiful words. Um, and that will all be linked in our show notes. And so, Christy, thank you so much for joining us. We really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, thank you for having me. It was a joy. And the Lord bless you all in your labors. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to all of you listeners next Tuesday. Bye.